0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast and today I have another episode of Monday Night Madness and I'm going to review review WCW Uncensored 1996. I also wanted to say in advance, I, I know I was away for the week, I just bought a brand new computer, trying to get everything together with that, trying to get on YouTube. So I'm sorry that I wasn't really around this past week, just trying to learn how to do the whole computer stuff and all that to get on YouTube, so I do apologize. But anyway, let's just get on with it. Um, The first match of the night on this card, it is Eddie Guerrero versus Conan for Conan's United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Starting off the match, Conan's keeping the pace of the match. Guerrero hits a springboard arm drag on Conan. Guerrero then applies a figure four on Conan. Conan breaks the hold. Conan then works on the leg of Guerrero. Conan then applies a single crab on Guerrero. Guerrero breaks the hold. and Then Conan gets up, slaps Guerrero in the face. Guerrero then hits a drop kick on Conan. Guerrero then hits a head scissors off the top rope on Conan, pins it for the two. Conan then gets up, hits a springboard arm drag on Guerrero, sending him to the outside. Guerrero then hits a chop on Conan. Guerrero then hits a hurricanrana on uh, Conan. Guerrero then hits a crossbody off the top rope on Conan on the outside. Guerrero then hits a springboard somersault on Conan into the ring. Conan then gets up, hits a German suplex on Guerrero, pins it for the two. Guerrero then hits a roll-up on Conan, pins it for the two. Conan then hits a devastating clothesline on Guerrero. Guerrero then gets up, hits a head scissors on Conan. In The middle of the ring. Conan then hits a devastating power bomb on Guerrero, pins it for the two. Conan then throws Guerrero off the top rope, sends him to the outside. Conan then hits a tope on Guerrero on the outside. Conan then hits another devastating clothesline on Guerrero. Guerrero then gets up full of adrenaline, hits a superplex on Conan off the top rope, pins it for the two. Guerrero then goes for a frog splash, but Conan then throws him off the top rope. But Guerrero ends up turning up into a turning it into a roll-up, pins it for the two in the middle of the ring. Conan then hits a low blow, low blow on Guerrero pins Guerrero for the three and your winner of the match and still United States champion is Conan. Um, this was a decent match. It really wasn't that bad. I mean, like I stated in the past, a lot of these matches uh, that WCW put together, as far as pay-per-view quality is concerned, it was always the cruiserweights that had, like I and like I said, I stated this pretty much every time I do one of these reviews. If you guys go back and watch any of the WCW pay-per-views, a lot of the first matches on these cards were cruiserweight matches or, you know, mid-card matches like this was actually not cruiserweight matches was conan versus eddie guerrero for the united states heavyweight championship because conan was having the belt at the time um but majority of the pay-per-views for wcw it was kind of highlighted in the beginning of the event with cruiserweights like eddie d malenko chris jericho juventud guerrero so on and so forth um but anyway this was a really good match it really was it wasn't i wouldn't give it four stars or anything like, like that but the crowd was into it the crowd was loving it and You know, obviously, Eddie and Conan were both feeding off the crowd. They were getting excited. The fans were getting excited. So it was a really good match. It really was. So hats off to Conan for the win. And again, I'm a humongous Eddie Guerrero fan, man. And just, you know, like I said, going back and watching some of these old matches, a little like nostalgia. It's pretty cool, man. He definitely was building his craft of what he eventually was in WWE, you know, going through WCW and all that. So, again, hats off to Conan. And again, hats off to Eddie Guerrero. Um after that match, we go into the next match of the evening. And this to me, honestly, is probably the match of the night. Um, it is Steven Regal, aka William Regal versus the Belfast Bruiser, who was also known as Fit Finley. If you guys don't know who Fit Finley was, he was in WCW, I mean uh, WWE for a while. He always used to come out with that shillelagh all the time. Um, and he kind of introduced Hornswoggle, if you guys know him. Um, and Steven Regal, he's William Regal, he's been around WWE for a while. He's you know the gm pretty much of nxt so but I, like i said this was probably the match of the night for me uh starting off the match bruiser attacks regal bruiser then drops an elbow on regal pins it for the two bruiser then hits a devastating clothesline on regal regal then gets up hits a european uppercut on bruiser bruiser then drops uh regal neck first on the guardrail regal then gets up hits a drop kick on bruiser pins it for the two bruiser then drops a knee on regal Bruiser then hits a scoop slam on Regal in the middle of the ring. Bruiser then hits a devastating clothesline on Regal again, pincer for the two. Bruiser then throws Regal headfirst into the guardrail on the outside. Regal then gets up, hits a suplex on Bruiser, sends him to the outside. Regal then applies a side headlock on Bruiser in the middle of the ring. Bruiser then hits a devastating kick to the back of Regal. Regal then gets up, hits a low blow on Bruiser. Bruiser then hits a backdrop on Regal. Regal then gets up, throws Bruiser into the Doomsday Cage, which. Again, I will explain later on in the podcast what that cage was about. Uh, And then all of a sudden, the members of Regal's team, I think they were called the Blue Bloods, if I'm not mistaken. They arrived to the ring. I think it was Bobby Eaton who was a part of that team as well. They came down to the ring. They ended up attacking Fit Finley. And your winner of the match by disqualification was Bruiser, a.k.a. Fit Finley. Um, Like I said, this was a really good match. And the reason why I say that is because these guys were literally in this match to, to beat the hell out of one another. They were kicking each other's ass throughout this entire match. And it was brutal, man. You heard every single hit that Regal was landing on Fit Finley and the hits that Fit Finley was landing on uh, William Regal. It was fantastic. And the fact that this was a like literally the second match after the opening match, and it was probably the match of the night. should explain a lot in the fact that these guys really brought the match to one another, man. And It was fantastic. And I know I say it all the time, but hats off to William Regal. The match was fantastic. And, you know, Fit Finley, you know, if, like I said, if you guys don't know who Fit Finley is, fantastic wrestler. And um, just all in all, it was a great match. It really was. Um, after that match, we can go into our next match of the evening. It is uh, a man versus woman match. It is uh, Robert Parker versus Medusa. Again, this was kind of a glorified squash match. I mean, you would assume that uh, Parker would probably win the match, I guess. But Medusa is a great wrestler and it was a great match. Uh, Medusa hits an arm drag on Parker. She also hits a roll up on Parker as well, pins it for the two. Medusa, M- Medusa Medusa hits a scoop slam on Parker. Medusa then hits a drop kick off the top rope on Parker. She also hits a crossbody off the top rope on Parker on the outside. Uh, Medusa then hits a German suplex on Parker, pins it for the two. And by the way, that German suplex was absolutely brutal, man. Like, Medusa was probably like maybe 120, 130 pounds, maybe 140 pounds, soaking wet. Parker, uh, Robert Parker was a big dude. Like, he was probably 320. And when she did that German suplex, it looked like he landed on her head. And it just looked brutal. Um, she, But she went for the pin. But uh, Slater was on, on the outside. He was team, Well, he was helping out uh, Robert Parker. He ends up moving the leg off the ropes. And then Parker was ended up rolling over literally on Medusa and pins her for uh, the three. And your winner of the match was Robert Parker. Again, and it wasn't like a high quality match. You know, obviously, it was definitely a mid card match for sure. Um, to be honest, I mean, could I have done without it? Absolutely. It's nothing personal as far as the man versus woman match, but I mean, I wish if that was the case, I wish it was an actual superstar that Medusa was going up against and not Robert Parker. I understand the storyline. It was kind of like she got involved in his wedding or something. I know he was having part, uh, Robert Parker was having this little thing with Sensational Sherry because at the time he was managing a tag team. Robert Parker was, and then Sherry was managing um, Harlem Heat, which was was Booker T and Stevie Ray. Um, So I don't know how maybe that fit into the storyline, but all in all, I mean, it was an okay match. It was definitely a mid-card match. Um, After that match, we can go to our next match of the evening. It is DDP versus I'm I'm calling him Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I don't know what they were really calling him at that time, Um, but it was an I quit match, and if DDP uh, were to lose the match, he was gone. He was not going to wrestle for WCW. So that was the stipulation of the match. Uh, but starting off the match, the match kind of goes back and forth. You know, Brutus the Barber kind of goes after DDP. He hits a shoulder tackle on DDP as well. Then Brutus throws uh, DDP headfirst into the turnbuckle. DDP then gets up, hits a backdrop on Brutus. DDP then applies a headlock on Brutus the Barber Beefcake. But then Brutus gets up, hits a running knee on DDP and pins it for the three. And your winner of the match is Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um... All in all, it was a decent match. It wasn't bad. Um, it was, like I said, it was back and forth. I mean, it it was something where, like, you kind of knew, like, DDP was obviously coming in as a heel, uh, and Brutus the Barber was coming in as the babyface in this match. The crowd was eating it up. They were loving what Brutus was doing. Um, D- and, and DDP has had many matches where he's been. He's probably been a heel the majority of his career. Um, he just came off, you know, just as an arrogant kind of guy. But uh, again, I'm a big fan of DDP. You know, as the years went on, and then you know he won the championship and stuff. Um, I think he was a good wrestler. He was pretty old when he started. Though. I, I will admit, I think he was like 35 or it's like 30 between the ages of 35 or 38 when he actually started his in-ring career, which is kind of crazy because most people at that point have like already hit like their peak as far as professional wrestling and they're on their way out as far as retirement. Some wrestlers are. So it was a good match. It wasn't that bad. But all in all, it was back and forth, so hats off to the barber for uh, getting the win for that match. Um, after that match, we go into our next match of the evening. They were building it up as the Giant versus the Giant. Um, it is Lochness, who I have no idea who the hell this guy is. A lot of people were saying it was like, Haystack, like uh, Haystack's Calhoun. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he was a wrestler. I knew it wasn't. I don't think it was Haystack's Calhoun. There's probably no way. Um but Haystacks Calhoun was a very, very big wrestler. Like, you know, I'm talking not as far as being super, super tall, but this guy was like big, like fat, like really, really big. And I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but he was just massive. Like, he was probably like seven, 800 pounds or something like that. Like, it was insane. And he always came out with like the overalls and he was always barefooted because like his feet were so big, he couldn't fit in the shoes. Like, it was so wide. Like, he was a very big man. But that's why, like, the reason why I'm saying that about Haystacks Calhoun is because this guy, Loch Ness, looks just like this guy. Just Loch Ness looks like a smaller version. And uh, he was facing the Giant, which is later known as Big Show, so on and so forth. Um, But again, it was kind of like a glorified squash match. And I mean, I'm going to say this right now. And, you know, I know a lot of people might be fans of the Big Show. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But as far as his in-ring ability and athleticism that he, you know, he had, it was all in WCW, man. I mean, he was in great shape. When he was at WCW, I know when he got into WWE, he gained a lot of weight. Um, And I know it was probably an issue for him, health wise, obviously. And, you know, I know Vince was kind of hard of him about his weight. Um, But he, athletically wise, and as far as being in shape, that was probably the best shape he was in in WCW. And he was quite young when he was in WCW. I think he was like in his mid 20s or something like that um, when he got into WCW. So, but he was just a, like a freak of nature as far as an athlete's concerned, man. Like, like he was very agile for what like the man, like the size of man that he was. So, but like I said, this match was a squash. I mean, he hits a uh, giant hits a devastating jo- uh, chop on Lochness. giant then goes for a splash on Lochness. He missed him literally flew outside the ring. Uh Loch Ness then drops an elbow drop on the giant giant gets up, then drops a leg on the Lochness and pins him for the three. And your winner of the match is the giant. Um, but all in all, like it was an okay match. Like it, I feel like it was a good showing the show and highlight the, the highlight the giant uh, the giant in this match because of you know I think at the time they were building this Hulk Hogan thing. They were back and forth like he was trying to take down Hogan. I believe Giant was a part of like the Taskmaster and his team and the Alliance and all that stuff and the Dungeon of Doom like or whatever they were calling themselves. I think it was like the Dungeon of Doom or something. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But I know he was a part of like uh, the Taskmaster stable in WCW, and I know the Giant was kind of going after Hogan. I know they had that weird, crazy match in Halloween Havoc, um, but all in all, it was a decent match. Um, after that match, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Sting and Booker T versus the Road Warriors in a Chicago street fight. Um, this match was really good, too. It really wasn't that bad. Uh, starting off the match, Road Warriors attack Sting and Booker T as they're making their way down the aisle. Booker T hits a scissor kick on animal, pencil for the two. Animal then hits a power slam on Booker T, pencil for the two. Sting then hits a scoop uh, scoop slam on animal. Booker T then hits a super kick on Hawk on the outside. Sting then hits a face buster on animal in the middle of the ring. Hawk then gets involved, hits a drop kick on Sting. Sting then gets up, hits animal with a chair shot. Animal then hits Sting and Booker T with multiple chair shots. Booker T then gets up, hits a spin, uh, spin wheel kick on animal. Hawk then hits a power bomb on Sting. Booker T then hits an axe handle off the apron on Animal on the outside. Booker T then hits a splash on Hawk off the top rope. Hawk then gets up, hits a back suplex on Booker T. Sting then goes for a splash on Animal but misses. Hawk then goes for a top rope maneuver but is met with a drop kick by Booker T. Booker T then gets up, hits a low blow on Animal. Sting and Booker T hit a clothesline on Animal in the middle of the ring. Booker T then hits a suplex on Animal. Animal then gets right up. He ends up hitting a suplex on Booker T. Sting then hits a scoop slam on Animal. Animal then gets up, drops a leg on Sting. Booker T then hits a devastating DDT on Hawk on the outside. Animal then hits Sting with a chair shot. Sting then gets up, hits Animal with a chair shot as well. Hawk then hits a power slam on Booker T. That was absolutely brutal. Animal then hits Sting with a broomstick, which was hilarious because I don't know. Like, he just, like, left. Like, the whole time Booker T was, like, getting his ass kicked in this match. And, like, Sting just takes off out of nowhere, like, to the back. And I'm like, so, so what's he like leaving the match? Like what's going on here? But he comes out with like these two old, really old, like broomsticks, brings out two of them and they're beating the hell out of the road warriors with them. Um, after, you know, he gets hit with a broomstick, you know, the match is kind of like pattered out a lot. Um, I know that, uh, Booker T was, or no, I'm sorry. Sting was leaving the ring, I believe. And I think, or no Booker T, I'm sorry. Booker T was leaving the match. Um, But uh, Animal was backstage, and he ended up uh, getting – Lex Luger was back there as well. And then Animal and Lex Luger were going at it. Then Stevie Ray came out, and um, they were beating the hell out of Animal. They ended up taping him up. I think it was Jimmy Hart was there too. They taped him to this, like, pole backstage where he couldn't get out. And then uh, Hawk was just getting his ass kicked in the middle of the ring. Uh, Booker T ends up, you know, he tries to hit a Harlem hangover, his finisher move, but he misses. Stevie Ray ends up coming down to the ring, hits Hawk right across the face with a chair, knocks he's knocked out in the middle of the ring. Then Booker T ends up rolling over Hawk, pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is uh, Sting and Booker T. But um, all in all, it was a really good match. Like I think, Obviously, I think a lot of people had the Road Warriors at that time winning the match. It's a Chicago Street fight. They're from Chicago. And if you guys ain't ever seen a Road Warriors, man, those guys are massive. Like Those guys are built like, like – Bodybuilders, man. Like Hawk Hawk was crazy, by the way. If you guys ain't never seen a match like his, go back. There's a network. Go check it out. Like, he was just in there to to beat the hell out of somebody. And like Animal, I feel like Animal was more the wrestler. As far as as far as the Road Warriors are concerned, and I've said this from way back in the day. You had Hawk was more like the, the street fighter guy where he would come in there and it was just he was just a brute, man. He didn't give a damn about a suplex or, you know, you know, any kind of, like, wrestling maneuver. He was in there to literally beat the hell out of you while Animal was kind of learning his craft and trying to become, like, a better wrestler. I think they were trained by Eddie Sharkey, if I'm not 100% mistaken. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I think they were trained by Eddie Sharkey, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, it's just... That tag team alone, man, it's just so synonymous with... Tag team wrestling, man. It, 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 like it's a phenomenal tag team. They won tag team belts pretty much everywhere they've gone. And if you guys don't know who the Road Warriors are, man, I don't know what to tell you, man, because they are like the Michael Jordan of tag team wrestling. I'm sorry, they really are. And hats off to Hawk and Animal, rest in peace, the Hawk. Um, but all in all, this was a really, really good match. It really was. Um, after that match, we go into our main event of the evening. It is the the like that big Doomsday uh, Doomsday Cage I was telling you guys about earlier in the podcast. Um, pretty much what this match was, was like a, almost like a triple cage kind of thing where, uh, you had like, I believe Flair and Anderson were all the way at the top and you had Luger like at the bottom. And I mean, it was just crazy, man. It really was like the match, pretty much what the match was. It was Flair, Anderson, Taskmaster, Luger, Megan and Barbarian. I think they were calling him Z Gangster and Ultimate Solution, who I don't know who Ultimate Solution is. He looks like the guy, uh, Warlord from like WWF old school days versus Hogan and Savage in this cage match. Because I think that the storyline was was that Flair, Anderson, the Taskmaster, all those guys were trying to, like, defeat the whole stigma or whatever of Hulkamania and Hulk Hogan. Same same way the Giant was trying to do the same thing, trying to destroy and kill off the whole Hulkamania gimmick and everything and so on and so forth. But all in all, like, it, it was a really good match. Like, it was a lot of back and forth. Um Savage obviously is crazy, man. I mean, that guy, the stuff that he was doing even at his age in WCW, I mean, he was – you never knew what he was going to do. And that's one – I'm a big Randy Savage fan, big, big Randy Savage fan. And I think the thing about him that I like the most is, like, when he was in WCW, I, th- I feel like he – was in WWE at the time, he was kind of – it was like one-dimensional. You know, he would come out with Miss Elizabeth, and then, you know, he was – he came off as the heel and then the babyface and then back to the heel. Where at WCW, to my honest opinion, is that he, you know he came off when he first came into WCW, he was a humongous babyface. People were loving him, and it was always this mixed emotion, you know what I mean. And then later on, once he got into like the NWO, he was kind of like a heel, and then became babyface again. It was very like weird for Randy Savage as far as WCW because there was a lot of flip flopping back and forth, and the falling out that he had with Miss Elizabeth, even though. You know, she would still manage him or whatever for a little bit of time at WCW. Then, you know, she went on and did her own thing with managing Ric Flair for a little bit of time and then Lex Luger. Um, But all in all, as far as this match is concerned, it was a really good match. Um, You know, the the ending of the match was pretty much Luger had took this loaded glove, put it on his hand. He went to go hit Savage, but ended up hitting Flair. And then Savage went back. He was leaving the cage, but then Hogan told him to go back into the cage, pin uh, Flair. And he ended up hitting Flair for the three, and the winners of the match were Hogan and Savage. Um, the point that I was, like, the reason why, I'm going to tell you why I hated this, number one. Number one, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the gimmick matches. I'm just not. I'm not a fan of them. Um, I just, I, I'd rather have a regular match. That's why I said that the Steven Regal versus Fit Finley match, that was a pure wrestling match. And the, and it was a hell of a match. It really was. I mean, both guys were in there to beat the hell out of one another. And you saw it. Like, you saw the pain and agony that Regal was going through. You saw the pain and agony that, you know, Fit Finley was going through. Like, it was brutal, you know? And that, to me, as far as match quality is concerned on this card, that was the match of the night. You know, and I, again, you have WWE product now that has gimmick events like Hell in a Cell, TN- TLC, and Elimination Chamber, so on and so forth. Um, that's fine. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying my personal preference is, as far as... I'd rather have a, like, you, you want to give me a steel cage match? Fine. You want to give me a hardcore match? Okay, fine. But the over-the-top, like, doomsday cage stuff, I, I can really do without, man, to be honest. I, I wasn't a big fan of that even growing up, being just, you know, even now. Like, when I was a fan when I was younger and even a fan now, it's just, I never really saw the purpose of it. You know what I mean? I, I really didn't. I guess the storyline or whatever the case may be, but I just never really fell in love with the whole gimmick matches that they put on as far as, I'm going to put you in a doomsday, a cage match where no one even seen it before. Which again, you're going to see new things in professional wrestling. It's going to happen, but it just—I didn't, I didn't understand it. I really didn't. I—I th- I felt like it was obviously more of the taskmaster's idea. I believe Kevin Sullivan, who is the taskmaster, by the way, was the one of the main bookers for WCW at this time. So I, I feel like some of his i like ideas were a little off the top, to be honest. As far as a booking standpoint, I think Dusty did a hell of a job. Again, it's not me being biased or anything. I was—I'm a huge Dusty fan, but Dusty knew the business, and Dusty knew the business inside and out. And I've, I've stated this in the past. It's not me because i its not me saying this because I'm a fan of Dusty. I just think that the mindset that Dusty Rhodes had, and the people that he sought out as talent, he knew the business. Like Dusty put Ron Simmons, aka Farouk, into a position to win the WCW Heavyweight Championship, and nobody else was giving that guy an opportunity, but. Dusty saw something in him and gave him an opportunity, and I'm pretty sure if you asked Ron Simmons today, he probably would high praise the hell out of Dusty Rhodes because he gave him that opportunity and booked him into that match. I think it was Ron Simmons versus Luger at Halloween Havoc. I don't know what year, but I knew it was uh, quite a while ago. So, but it was a hell of a match. It really was, and it told a great story. But the the reason why I'm saying that is, just, uh, you can't you can book a match like this, but it's the gimmick stuff just doesn't work sometimes, man. It just doesn't. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. I think I think today, nowadays, some people don't mind, you know, a crazy match like the Swamp Match or whatever that like Braun Strowman had with Bray Wyatt. Some people may love that. You're like me personally. I love the Undertaker versus AJ Styles Boneyard match. I thought it was put together correctly. I thought it was great. And I think it was even if it was Taker's last match, I think it was a very good send off for the Undertaker. There's really nothing left for that man to do. You know, if you're like, oh, well, he's going to face this guy, he's going to face this guy. That guy went through hell and back, man. He really did. There's nothing left more for that guy to do. But besides that, you know, it, it's just, it doesn't, to me, it just doesn't make sense, man. I'd rather just have the regular old matches. Unless you can put something together like the Taker AJ Styles thing was, it put it together with a lot of cinematics and so on and so forth. Great, you know, but it has to make sense. You know, because like I said, a lot of people might have like that Bray and Braun stuff with the swamp fight. I liked the first part of it, and then it started cutting kind of getting a little weird towards the end. You know, again, I called it. I knew, and I, again, I know this is Monday Night Madness, but I knew when I saw that event, I knew when I saw that match, I knew it was not going to be just Bray versus Braun. I knew it was going to eventually, you're going to see the Fiend versus Braun, possibly more likely at SummerSlam. And I think right now that's what we're getting. I think it's building up to that. But, um, no, but I know, like I said, I know this is Monday Night Madness, but I do have some side news for you guys, that is it's not Monday Night Madness related. It's, it's more related to WWE right now. Um, well, this morning, one of the things I found out is that the XFL, which was pretty much purchased and owned by Vince McMahon, and then he ended up, you know, the company ended up folding. well, that company was bought out today by none other, none other than Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think he bought it for like fifteen million dollars or something like that. Don't I think that's what it was? Don't quote me one hundred percent on that, but. He did buy the company, so now he is the owner of the XFL now. So I don't know what he's going to do with that. Hopefully, he brings it back into fruition. Um, and being the fact that you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson, not only was he a wrestler, but he was also a really decent football player. You know, he used to play football for the University of Miami, um, and he was a great player. Man, it was it was one of the things that he was going to do. I think before he was going to wrestle, I think he was trying to get in the NFL. Um, So hats off to him for getting that opportunity and purchasing the XFL. I think that's a great opportunity for him and big fan of The Rock, man. He's definitely a role model, man. He really is. And hats off to The the Rock for getting that. Um, The other thing, other couple news that I got uh, today, which is very interesting, if Monday Night Raw tonight is going to be kind of special. And the reason why I'm saying this is because the news that I got was that the rumor going around is that Shane McMahon is going to be on Raw tonight. I don't know what he's going to be there for. I have no idea. But I kind of know, in some ways, they, I know it's for the ratings. I know that's. I don't know what he's going to say or what he's going to do on Raw tonight, but I know he's there for the ratings. Because the ratings, and, like, and I've, I've stated this in the past, has been terrible, horrible. Some of the lowest ratings they've ever had since their existence. And that's pretty, pretty damn bad. So he's going to be on Raw tonight. The other side news that I got as well, and it, this also relates to Monday Night Raw tonight, is that it's been rumored that a new faction, or a faction, if you will, will be on Raw tonight. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people are like, you know, they hope it's not the Undisputed Era, so on and so forth. Odds are, it's going to be Undisputed Era, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Right now, they need another stable, and and this is the and this is the reason why I'm saying this right now is because. Everything that I feel like it's a like a ricochet effect here because everything that WWE's doing as a whole, AEW is going to doing the same thing. So, for example, you got Shane coming on Raw tonight and the big rumor right now, and I'm hoping it's true that AEW is having a little uh, a segment between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy with a special guest moderator. It's like a debate that person that's going to be a moderator. From what I understand, from what I heard, the rumor is it's going to be none other than Eric Bischoff, which is huge. Because it's the first time you've seen Eric Bischoff on a wrestling program on TNT that over like, what's like 20 years, over 20 years, something like that. That's crazy. So, like I said, everything that it's, they're countering each other, what they're doing. And then, like, with the stable coming up for uh, WWE tonight on Raw, could be Undisputed Era. Some people are saying it could be a new invention of the Nation of Domination. And if you guys don't know who the Nation of Domination were, it was Farouk, The Rock. The Rock got his big break with the Nation of Domination. Um, the Godfather and D.Lo Brown at the time. I'm not sure that the Godfather was using his Godfather, I don't think he was using the Godfather name, but it was him in that stable. Um, and it was a pretty big stable back in like the Attitude Era, it was pretty good. But then you could be them, you know, because you, I can see something with MVP Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley, maybe somebody else having a stable as a new nation of domination. I think it'd be great. I really do. I think it'd be awesome. Or you can have Undisputed Era come in. But if you're going to pull, this is my main thing with this, because a lot of these NXT people come up and they get completely shitted on the main roster. A lot of them do, and they still are. You can bring in Undisputed Era as a whole, but you better be looking at putting Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish definitely in that tag team picture, and you build Adam Cole to a possible match down the line with Drew McIntyre. You can even have Drew go over in a SummerSlam match that you have with Randy Orton. And have Drew versus Adam Cole. I think that would put a... It would be amazing. So that's the big rumor that's going on tonight. That Shane McMahon is going to be there on Raw tonight. Don't know what his plans are. I have no idea. I know he's going to be there tonight. That's the big rumor. And the other big rumor is that a new faction will be there tonight on Raw. It's a big rumor. I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. But the rumor going on is that there's going to be some faction showing up tonight on Monday Night Raw. So, But all in all, this is my Monday Night Madness review. Um, like I said, I'm sorry that I took that week off guys. It was just, I just bought a brand new computer trying to get everything up and running for the YouTube channel that I'm going to be making. Um, so I do apologize about that, but I am back and back to uh, the square root of things and doing all these anchor stuff and all these episodes. So stuff that I really do enjoy and I hope you guys do enjoy as well. So, um, but like I said, this is the Monday night madness review. I hope you guys are out there staying safe, be careful and remember stay classic. Peace.